Engaging Leader Podcast, episode 159, Leading a Startup, featuring Josh Kent, CEO of Sunfrog Shirts. inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. I'm so excited to share with you the interview that you're about to hear. I sat down with Josh Kent in the corporate headquarters of Sunfrog Shirts. Josh is the CEO and founder of over a dozen startups. Sunfrog Shirts is one that he launched in 2013. It's currently the largest t-shirt company in the United States. In less than three years, they grew into a nationally recognized company with an annual growth rate of more than 1,000%. One of the things I love about Sunfrog is that it's very much just a Midwestern kind of company. You would typically hear this kind of story, let's say a Silicon Valley company, and a lot of times you get a lot of uh, venture capital-driven growth. And Sunfrog, as you'll hear in the story, is definitely more of a bootstrap-type startup where it was a side gig that Josh launched while in the midst of running a smaller company, they came up with this idea together and started running Sunfrog on the side, and then it grew and eventually became the number one focus. I think you'll find from this interview how super nice Josh is, very personable and very generous with sharing what he knows. He's going to talk about his personal story, um, including the failures and successes and lessons learned along the way. We're going to dig into both how he built a winning team, how he cultivated the company's culture despite its explosive growth, how he uses a combination really of face-to-face and and other high-touch communication and leadership tactics, as well as high-tech. And it's particularly important because he's leading a workforce of not only several hundred employees locally, but also 80,000 affiliates globally. Now, I want to tell you up front, Josh is uh, very uh, techie-oriented, and so throughout the conversation, he's going to be throwing out different websites, and uh, you may get kind of, uh, I mean, you may want to have your pencil ready for when he, so you can jot those down, but don't worry, we're going to put uh, all of those links on the show notes for this interview, which you can find on engagingleader.com. I know you're going to love this interview, so let's jump into it. Josh Kent, welcome to The Engaging Leader. Hey, thanks for having me. Josh, Tell me the story of how Sunfrog came to be. Sunfrog is uh, an online platform that sells shirts. Um, we actually started before we were Sunfrog. We started as just a group of guys and gals uploading designs to major platforms like Etsy, eBay, and Amazon. And that's really where we got our start. That was about three years ago, um, maybe a little more. And um, it's really where we got our, our feet wet, so to speak, with selling uh, one-off designs on the Internet. And um, from there... We uh, built Sunfrog the platform because uh, anybody who's selling on those platforms, as much as you might love Amazon, eBay, or Etsy, they all have their pitfalls. They all have their problems. And um, for us, we felt uh, that fixing those problems would be to be our own platform, to build our own website. And uh, that's when we built Sunfrog. And that's, uh, again, that's been about three years now. Uh, three years ago that we built the Sunfrog platform um, and we built it from the ground up with affiliation and artists in mind um, because we felt that the other platforms weren't really conducive um, for that. So uh, so yeah, that, that was kind of the, the beginnings. A lot of people don't know that. 
And um, when people ask, like, how it all began, uh, sometimes they're surprised. And I also recommend that people do the same thing. Like, if you want to be in the T-shirt business, um, you know, now there's a platform called sunfrog.com. I would recommend you <laughs> use that. But um, if you're the guy and you love making shirts and you want to make shirts out of your garage or your home basement, get an eBay account. Get an Amazon account. Um, the beauty of those platforms is the, the marketplace is there. There's already people buying and selling. The commerce is there. You just have to join the party. You don't have to generate. So it's a good place to get started, and that, that's where we got our beginnings. What was the big key that caused Sunfrog to explode? I mean, at one point you were selling maybe 10 shirts a day, and what's a typical day now? Uh, now we can sell anywhere between 10,000 and 20,000 in a day. Um, wow. And, you know, I think, like, a lot of people um, that might be listening uh, that have a side hustle – you, you you love your side hustle. It's your passion. It's your it's your interest. Um, but a lot of times, the side hustle you don't have the dream of it being uh, what what Sunfrog turned into. And I remember I heard something about Mark uh, Zuckerberg talking about a uh, uh, Facebook, and his goal was like a hundred thousand users, and then he passed the billion mark. And it's like, did you ever think it'd be this big? And I heard him in an interview or something say, uh, "No flipping clue." <laughs> and I would say the same for Sunfrog. It's like it was our side hustle. We were already in the t-shirt business so we were just using some downtime to put shirts on other platforms so while that's happening we dream up hey why don't we just be our own platform why don't we be our own sunfrog.com which we became and i remember the very humble very modest goal of uh, uh, 10 shirts a day which we then moved to 50 shirts a day and then to 100 and we knew that once we had 100 shirts a day at like 20 bucks we knew like that's really good money right that's $2000 a day or more we're like at that point we don't have to work for other clients we don't have to print their shirts we don't have to build their websites um and it was just a small group of us we're like 100 a day is our goal but that 100 very quickly became 1000 a day 5000 a day 10000 a day um so so yeah, it's like you, sometimes you, those side hustles they can take off on you, and Sunfrog was definitely one of those for us. We're very fortunate, very blessed. So in the beginning, it was you had a, a small team of people that were work for hire. You were creating websites for other companies, and if someone had a, an event, let's say, and they wanted a t-shirt to commemorate that event you would yeah. make that for them. yeah think of like a it was kind of like a small web firm um we're talking like maybe five to ten employees tops at any given time uh local business owners coming in saying hey i need a website so we would do everything digital everything online um we'd help them lightly with their social media um and then yeah print business cards and brochures and of course t-shirts and that's what really kind of got us into the t-shirts we were having fun with it um so so, yeah, that's where we knew that if we just had 100 shirts a day, we wouldn't need to take care of these other folks. And, and we loved them, and they, they were good projects, but it just wasn't our stuff, you know, where uh, the T-shirt gig, it was like it was us. And, and we, it allowed us some creativity, and we just, we just love it, you know, because um, some people are like, why T-shirts? Why not cookies? Why not? You can sell anything on the Internet, but T-shirts float my boat. You know, I, I dig them. So. <laughs> Everybody's got their thing. Uh, so tell me about the day that you realized that five or six employees wasn't going to, wasn't enough for the the size of the business. Well, you know uh, the growth curve was was a steep one for us. 
Um, a lot of companies um, can systematically grow, right, uh, on a more of a linear line where it's like, okay, we hit this number, now we get this many more people. We, we went through these little explosive um, growth uh, moments in our timeline, you could say, where, and I, I actually remember a day when we had a job fair. We put out full-page ads in the paper. We had signage all over town, and we hired 92 people in one day. And it's like, if they came in, it didn't matter if you have your pajamas on or if you were slurring your words. It's like, if you were a body, <laughs> we would employ you. We would give you a job and give you a shot at it. It's like, can you fold T-shirts? Can you count T-shirts? Can you stack T-shirts? It's like, we just needed people. And it was that was like our biggest hiring uh, frenzy. But the whole time, um, it's like, it feels like, anyways, over the last three years, it has literally been a hiring machine nonstop. Um, so yeah, back to the question of like six, it's like six became 12, became 24 very quickly, um, almost without any hesitation or any thought because when you're buried in work, it's a do or die kind of moment and, uh, companies can fail to having too much work almost as easy, easily, or maybe even easier than companies with no work, um, because you can literally implode. Um, and that we, we face those moments. Um, and I've heard uh, GoPro had a similar story. Uh, people tell me, "Oh, you should you should read the GoPro story." And uh, I can imagine um, when you have a product and you have a service and it takes off, it, it can be a lot of work really fast. So, what's happened with the culture of the, of the team over the last three years? Um, good question. Um, culture is very important to me um, because before Sunfrog. With its, you know, 300 plus employees, we, I've always been a small, uh, company owner, uh, owning a computer store, owning a, uh, a web development company, typically running with business professionals, um, and having five to 10 employees at a time. Very intimate, uh, company culture where you know everyone, uh, you know the names of their kids, their dogs, <laughs> you know, you really know them well and, and you live and do life with them. So when we've gone through these different, uh, growth moments, as you can imagine, you get outnumbered. So what you, what we did is we started taking some of those key people and putting them strategically throughout the throughout the company, so that at least my fingerprint, my my heartbeat was was there. And in the early years, I can just remember a lot of stuff coming back towards me, like, "Hey, uh, Josh, this isn't really your heart, or this isn't really how you would do it," you know. And and it, it helped to have that core, and the core that is still around. Uh, they're very instrumental because they kind of know how I tick. And uh, the good news is, you know, fast forward three years later, there's been a lot of opportunity to show showcase uh, how I do business and for people to get to know me better. Um, because think of going to like a new school. We're kind of that way. I mean, you can look around the building and a lot of people... They haven't been here that long. Um, some people, uh, the vast majority, less than a year because of the, the growth curve we've been on. So um, now we're in a position where we can be much more intentional than the early years. Um, and when I say intentional, I mean uh, having special events, celebrating National Banana Split Day, or uh, <laughs> having a, a Cinco de Mayo, having a pinata lifted up by a tractor, like things like that that just bring uh, people together so that we can actually not only work together but play together. I think it's super important um, so that we can get to know each other's names. Another thing we do is uh, new employees wear yellow shirts, and it's not so that we can embarrass them or haze <laughs> them. 
it's so that we can reach out to them so that we can create a culture it's like hey there's a new kid or, or whatever and say hey welcome to the team and you know kind of kind of buddy them up a little bit um, so that's really important to me and that's a it'd be a real easy thing to let go of because when you get to a certain size you can just divide people into career professionals and and laborers uh, but it's something I continue uh, week after week to try to grow and strengthen is the culture it's super important because this is what we do this is what we do most of our with most of our lives the majority of our days at work and I want to have a fun uh, professional environment so so if you look back from what you know now in terms of how you've led the the growth of the company from a people perspective, is there anything you'd do differently? Oh my gosh, yeah, I'd, uh, <laughs> I would. Uh, I could write volumes of books on what not to do. <laughs> I could write you a pamphlet on what to do. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's always there's always things you do wrong. Yeah, I've 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 learned on on um, people from management abilities and things like that. Um, I probably would have instituted. Um, training earlier on we took because of our growth we had to take people who were never managers before and make managers out of them and anybody who's listening if you've ever had to do that you know like a lot of times uh power trips kind of kick in and a lot of times just because of the, the the basic management skills aren't there people will start to lead in, in the wrong ways they'll they'll either try to manipulate or or uh degrade people or, or all these things that are not us and not our culture so earlier on i if i could rewind the clock i would have instituted more training earlier on um, now uh, what we do is every week at three o'clock we have a, a manager's meeting where we pull them all in we talk manager business and then we do training stuff uh, we watch videos uh, they do a book and when one book's done they close it out they start another book and now these are leaders that are getting in front of the entire class of 30 uh, plus people uh, that are also leaders and sharing um, the book and it's what it's doing is it's allowing us to all grow at the same pace um, and it it didn't seemingly feel like it was going to work early on, but I'm telling you, the fruit of it now, um, where we are here three years later, we've been doing this for about a year, huge strides. You can see it. And it, it and it's pulling us together and it's creating unity among our management and our, our leadership within our company. Um, and I'm proud to say we've been doing it for a year, but I wish I could tell you we've been doing it for three years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, those are some of the things that come to mind when you ask me that. But I, I could probably go on all day about what I, I would do differently. Uh, but I, I'm really more of a look forward than a look in the rearview mirror kind of guy. So... Um, so that's quite a commitment, though. You do that every week, that sort of book club? Yep, every week at uh, 3 o'clock, uh, managers and supervisors get together. Uh, we have a, a shop floor manager, Andrew Groot. Um, this is a guy who used to actually be a school teacher. Uh, so he he does an amazing job leading the class on this topic. He picks books that are relevant for where they're at. Um, and this way we can all learn. Because um, when you learn management, you're never done. Uh, and I, I remember speaking to them as a group uh, a couple months ago, and I said, man, I have, sadly, I've, I've, I've hurt relationships because I wasn't a good manager. And here I am 15 years later managing people still, and I'm still learning stuff. And so this is this is not a like oh I've got my certificate I've got my ticket I'm a manager I've got my title this is a you saddle up this is what you do you're you're now in this this responsibility and now, now the learning begins and it never stops uh, we can always be better 
So, are there is there a book or two that sticks out to you that's been particularly helpful? Um, I I know um, they they went through like the I think there's one called the Seven Habits of a Highly Successful Leader. I think they use uh, um, Maxwell's book on leadership. Um, they've been they they move through them pretty quick because they're doing a chapter a week and they commit to and again there's uh, almost forty people uh, thirty to forty uh, different managers because we run twenty four seven so that, that that sprinkles a lot of people in a lot of division that puts them in leadership so uh, all these people doing this together in unison is pretty powerful. Um, so, and it, what is it like an hour long or half time? Yeah, it's about an hour long. They come together. Uh, somebody spearheads the the synopsis, I guess you'd say, to get up and say, "Hey, here's here's the takeaways." And then uh, there's usually some conversation to follow um, and some examples. And, and and that's not the only thing that we do, but I think that's the biggest thing that we do with the most impact value. And it's a long long term play. This doesn't work overnight, and it won't fix anybody's organization if they're listening. Is thinking, I've got to do that. Uh, you know, it's, it's a it's a slower play, but it but it's a strong one. Um, but we've also uh, flown in, um, you know, speakers and, and people that can really like uh, crash course us. And prior to doing this, we we spent some time and money on that endeavor of just bringing somebody in and spending like a couple hours a day for an entire week just to get the one hundred ones, uh, the basics in place. Um, and, and fortunately now, fast forward again, three years later, now we're in a more mature place as a company to where now as we're hiring, we can actually bring in people with some management experience. So we're not starting all over. But again, we, I mean, we exploded with, with having to hire so many people so fast. We had to make managers where managers were not. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the term riding the racehorse. This is something I heard from somebody. And he said, this is very common in business. You take somebody who's phenomenal at what they do. And you make them a manager and you ride them and you lose them because a lot of times they don't want to be managers just because they're good at what they do um, doesn't mean they're they're set or, or even they desire to be a manager. I even remember early on doing a recall. I literally did a recall. I said, guys, there is no shame. I shared this story and I said, there's no shame in not being a manager. If, if you're like, you know what, if you're thinking in the back of your head, I don't really like people, well, then you should not be a manager. Like if that's kind of your heart, like, yeah, people drive me nuts. People annoy me. It's like, yeah, then you shouldn't be a manager within our company. And I, I had two people actually after the meetings come uh, talk to us and say, you know what? And I, and I, I, I basically I preface it with there, there's no recourse. It's just, and there's no shame in it. Just let us know and we'll put you back into what you rock at. If you're an amazing t-shirt printer, an amazing stacker, an amazing shipper, whatever it is, like, let's put you back in your zone, you know, and take the stress and the pressure of managing people out of it. And uh, so I was very proud of those two because that'd be a tough thing to do to step down and say, you know what? I don't want to manage. I want to, I want to, I want to do what I love doing. So, so uh, pretty cool stuff. Now, so far we've been focusing on the three or 400 actual employees that Sunfrog has, but in terms of your total workforce, um, in, including your artists and your affiliates, mm. how many people are we talking about worldwide? Um, now, we have uh, about 80,000 affiliates signed up. And uh, so, that, so that the listeners understand and know what an affiliate is, uh, an affiliate's a term for someone that's just uh, basically selling on the SunFrog platform. These are people that sign up, they get assigned an ID, and they can browse any one of our 10, 20 million designs on our website. Then they can share that link either through Facebook or any other means of social media, and they get paid. And they get paid uh, around $8 per T-shirt sale. So those are affiliates. So when I say we have about 80,000 of those, those are people that either sell our shirts or they're people that either upload T-shirt art. 
So if you have a funny t-shirt idea and you're listening to this and you're like, oh yeah, I saw a t-shirt one time or I, I've got this idea for a t-shirt, you can log up, log on on Sunfrog relatively easy and you can upload your, your design. We have a t-shirt designer and that's the combination when I say 80,000, it's 80,000 affiliates and 80,000 artists intertwined. Some are both and some are just sellers and some are just artists. And uh, that, when you look at it from that perspective, it makes Sunfrog much larger. Um, because uh, here in the Gaylord location, here in Michigan, um, there's anywhere between three and 400, depending on the season. Um, but the, the community is much bigger than that. We have Vietnamese sellers. We've got sellers in Bangladesh, Israel, Australia. Pretty much the entire globe is covered with people selling Sunfrog shirts um, and designing them as well. So that has really been um, the catalyst for our growth as well. Um, to have a art department making all the shirt designs, you'd never be able to keep up. Um, we now have, um, as of this week, we have over 600 million product SKUs on our website. Wow. So that, that's a T-shirt and a color combination, 600 million. I mean, that's a lot. And um, I think last time I checked, I went to Amazon and eBay, and I want to say they had less than 100,000 each. So to put it in perspective, like, it's it's just kind of gone out of control if you could, you could say that like the 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 army of artists and sellers can build the art at a crazy rapid rate so our site is just getting loaded with art you can pretty much go there and search just about anything if you want a unicorn t-shirt or an elephant t-shirt or whatever it is i mean you'll find more on our website than you will anywhere else um and that's that's uh, quickly becoming our claim to fame and you've had to cultivate your relationship with those 80,000 people yeah. as similar as like if they were employees. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you've had a culture to, to build, you've had rules that you're asking them to follow. Um, you've had to take their, you've had to listen to them. Um, what are some of the, the challenges that you faced with that group? Um, some of the, the challenges I faced and I know other platforms have faced a lot of times when you're dealing with affiliation um, with it comes fraud. Um, that's probably the biggest, most expensive, and the most uh, harmful to any organization is what can happen is you can get somebody who gets a stolen list of credit cards. They can come buy a ton of shirts and then cash out and take their $8 a shirt. So they buy thousands of shirts. They leave with tens of thousands of dollars, and then you're left with a bunch of credit card chargebacks because the cards were stolen or hot, and then it can really be detrimental to a company, especially if your margins aren't good. I, I remember talking to a gentleman who was selling iPads over the Internet, and the same thing happened to him. He's like, dude, I don't get to make but like 40 bucks on these wow. things. And uh, it was devastating to him. Um, luckily, we put some, some safeguards in place to where we have phenomenal fraud detection. Um, but that was one of the early on problems um, with affiliation. And uh, as you can imagine, um, with that kind of that much art comes some legal problems. So you can have people ripping off brands, you know, like Nike or the NFL and stuff. You just you cannot do that, especially when your sellers are located all around the globe. Some of them understand copyright and trademark, and some of them do not, and they don't get it. And when you try to explain U.S. law to somebody that has a hard time with your language, it's really tough. Uh, so that's been a tough battle. Um, so we've. Had 
had to institute some policies, um, you know, to uh, suspend those kind of accounts and things. So, uh, so those are like some of the problems that come with affiliation. Um, but I wouldn't do it, have it any other way. I wouldn't do it any differently because the affiliation and being the platform that we are, it allows for this tremendous growth. It allows for an industry change um, because of the impact level. Uh, so, uh, so even though it does come with its problems, it definitely has its rewards too. So even though Sunfrog is a, a t-shirt company, it's the, the leverage really comes from people. It's the people that, all yeah. these affiliates and designers and, and the, the people in the building as well. Yeah, and um, I, I think that's key because without them, we would just be another website floating out in cyberspace. And maybe some of the listeners right now are saying, I, I need some traction. My website doesn't do what it should. Maybe think about affiliation. Um, and you don't have to sell T-shirts to be an affiliation. You can use third-party companies like shareasale.com, linkconnector.com. There are companies that already have hundreds of thousands of affiliates ready to go. And all you need to do is drop their their code at the end of your checkout process. And then you can sign up with these companies and you dictate what you'll pay. You'll say, I'll pay 20%, 30%, 50%, whatever it is. And they will start promoting you to their affiliate audience and they'll start driving traffic. It doesn't matter if you're selling low end, high end, what low margin, high margin. You can use affiliation to grow virtually any business. And I think that could be a huge takeaway for a listener today. If, if they're listening and, and they have a physical product or a digital product, affiliation is a great way to go. Um, and because of my background was web development, I had built a lot of those websites that are floating out in cyberspace that nobody's going to. So <laughs> I, I know for a fact, like when people would come in and they're like, I have a business plan and this is going to change the world. And I'm like, yeah, how are you going to get people to your website? And when they didn't have that answer, I knew uh, where that site was going to go, what it was going to do. So when we built Sunfrog from the ground up, it was built with affiliation in mind. It was built with the whole idea that people will get a rev share on everything that's sold. Um, and it, that's why the structure of Sunfrog is what it is, and that's uh, that's why Sunfrog is as big as it is and um, why so many people are making so much money off of it because it was built that way from the ground up. Um, so definitely recommend it. When you were in your earliest stages, either at with Sunfrog or, or with some of your other startups, mm -hmm. at some point I imagine there's basically a point where it's just you and you've got to do everything. And as you, you grew, I'm curious as to what you, where did you decide were your particular strengths and where did you re realize that I need to let other people do uh, other, other types of <laughs> skills and competencies? Yeah, uh, man, that's a, that's a good one. Um, that was, uh, I wish I could say that was a quick process and I was quick to give up um, the, the responsibilities. That was a slow, painful process for me. Because I used to do everything. Um, and uh, I mean everything. Like I took out the trash and I built the <laughs> websites and I sold the websites. And, but you get to a point where that's not sustainable. Um, and more importantly, it's not scalable. Um, so what I did and what I would really recommend if anybody's listening and they're like, they're at that point where it's like, am I ready for somebody? Do I need somebody? If you're asking yourself that question, yes, you're ready. <laughs> um, and make the leap of faith. What it will do is it will make you a better business person because you will start thinking ahead and you'll start strategizing and it lets, you can let go a little some of the tactical stuff. And what I usually recommend um, with people that are just getting started out with their first, second, third employee, I actually I was just talking to somebody the other day that was saying, I have three employees now and I feel like we get less done than when I did it all by myself. 
oh man, you are not doing it right then. Um, mm. So what I did, and I don't know if this works for everybody, but what I did is I treated those people as an extension of myself. Um, and it might sound a little bit micromanaging, but what I did is I created task lists for all of them. We had a task list where every single person on my team at a small level had a task list. They worked off that task list every day. And at the end of the day, they'd hand it back to me. And I, what I would find is they'd create more checkboxes at the bottom. They might do two or three of my tasks, and they would dream up six or seven. And then they would also have tasks that needed to carry over. They're like, Josh, we didn't think about this or talk about that. But what that allowed is it allowed for two things. It allowed for the ability for them to think ahead and actually start the planning process at a micro level. And it allowed for a culture of inspecting what you expect. Because a lot of people, they feel like when they hire somebody, it's just like, just let, leave them alone and let them do their thing. But then you feel like you're stepping on their toes or you're hug helicoptering them if you then ask. But I created a culture right from the get-go of inspecting what I expect so that they would actually, and they still do to this day, people will recite that back to me. Oh, you're just inspecting what you expect from me. Like, it's it's part of the culture. So there's there's no, I don't trust you. There's no intimidation. There's no insecurity. It's like, no, like, if it's important to me, I will, I'll check up. Like, hey, how are we doing? What's it look like? Um, so with that, it allows the freedom to do that. And then with doing the checklist, as I explained it, you know, picture, I'm just basically updating this in a task system. There's a million of these systems out there. But then I would hand it back out. And I did it on paper, uh, nowhere.com. And we still do a little, a little of this today where we're still in this paper system because it's so effective. And it gets people to run like you would run, think like you would think. And it also allows for very quick course correction where sometimes a project or a task can kind of grow its own its own uh, flavor, if you will. And if anybody who's, who's uh, managing people totally understands this, where it's like, well, it wasn't quite what I was thinking. It's not bad, but, you know, a lot of times you can get into those situations where a task should take half a day and ends up taking four days because, well, a lot of creative got pumped into it. And what you really didn't need was that right here in this moment in time because you got other things coming down the pipe. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how we do it. So you mentioned nowhere.com. Is that a real thing or is that just a figure of speech you were? Using? I said that nowhere.com. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or maybe I, maybe yeah. I misheard you. Yeah, I don't, I okay. don't know what I was So, but, but I think what you're saying is you're, what <laughs> you're figure. using, you've tried lots of different systems and right now for this, this, that sort of, uh, it, it's just paper based. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of systems. Um, like there's GQs.com, um, which is like a spinoff of a Google a version of easy drag to drop task. There's Asana. Uh, there's, and the list goes on and on. Um, but in, uh, we've got a homegrown version and we've, we've tried Basecamp. We use them all to some level and every department's a little different. But for myself and for my key team, like I've, I'm still using the same tried and true practice that works for me. And it's uh, it's paper. So to this day, <laughs> your direct reports, you still basically on a daily basis, you want to see what did you get done yep. today? Yep. yep. And are they then, are they doing that with their direct reports as well? Yeah. Yeah. So um, so they would have like their own uh, system. And, and every department's a, a little bit different. And as your organization's growing, you have to really think of the difference between standardizing or centralizing and localizing and different departments run different so like our technology department within our company uses asana and that's a great program because it allows you to go in i think like three levels deep so what it, it's good because i just give the system development team the task that i want a custom tool on sunfrog that's all i, I want a custom tool well, there's a whole lot more behind that custom tool on Sunfrog. So they'll fan that out into R&D, project design, and maybe three or four things. But then the program...
programmer or the designer might fan that out into 42 tasks. I don't really care about the 42 tasks. <laughs> All I want to know is how's that custom design tool looking? So I look at it more at a top level. Um, but when you're a smaller company, you do care about those 42 tasks because your resources are so precious to you. They're so coveted. Like you only have so much for resources that there can be no misuse uh, of time. Um, so it's much more guarded. So the nice thing about a lot of these task systems is they are scalable. Um, even even mine today, I feel like even though I, I basically I put it in a system and I print it to paper, at the end of the day, I just take and I reconcile it. Every day I reconcile, okay, what are my new tasks? And I put them in there and what were my finished tasks? And I save that. And I, I just always have it. And it, it creates a great accountability for your team. Um, and it allows you, again, when you inspect what you expect, you typically see what you want to see. So, Josh, I'm curious, as Sunfrog has grown... Uh, what have you done? What do you do as far as your personal leadership communication? Uh, in ter- do, speaking not just to your direct reports, but to the the overall company, is that all through cascading, or do you have some direct face to face yourself? I find the best approach is a, a little bit of both, actually. Um, and uh, what I use is it's called a huddle. Um, a lot of companies do this. Um, what I and I actually learned this almost uh, ten years ago when I was small, uh, small company, five six people at the time, and uh, we used to service computers and things like that. And actually, somebody on my team um, came back. He's like, Josh, you are not going to believe what these people at this dentist office are doing. I'm like, what? He says they huddle like football players every morning. They come in the lobby, they stand in a circle, and their focus is yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And they go around the circle. And they talk, and then like five minutes later, they break. And he's there all day. He's working on their servers and stuff. And he's like, and they do it again before they go home. And I'm like, really? I'm like, that's a little intense for us. But hey, how about we start with just the morning? We don't do the evening one. So we started that, and that was the beginning of everything for me. I, I believe in my professional career, my entrepreneurial journey, the huddle. Like, if you're not huddling with your team, I, I would strongly encourage you start. What it does is it allows you to set the pace and the rhythm of a day. It allows you to come together as a team. And again, the, the idea of a huddle is yesterday. Well, any highlights from yesterday that you might need to talk about today? Any highlights or things that are going to come down the pipe today that the team should know about? And then tomorrow, touch briefly on what's what's expected or planned for tomorrow. And uh, we do this. And currently with Sunfrog, the way it's set is uh, I've got, I think it's about five, uh, five plus myself, so six directors. Um, every morning at 9 o'clock, and it lasts until about 9.15. And it's the same concept. The same concept I used when I was a, a company of five employees, I still use at 350, 400 employees, wherever we're at. And um, that same concept works, but the, the difference is, as we've grown uh, to scale this huddle, is what we do is those people I huddle with, they go do it at their department level. And they're not talking about the same things because the things that are at a director level is different than the things that might be in a marketing department or a system development or a production department. So when our production employees get together in a certain area, maybe they're in the shipping department, they're talking about yesterday's snafu or today's volume or whatever it is, and it's localized and it keeps the team together, it drives and builds unity. And um, then what I do is, uh, so I do the huddle at, at that level. Then on Mondays, every Monday, I bring the entire administrative uh, staff together. And these would be like career professional type folks. 
these are people who are kind of all in on Sunfrog and Sunfrog's all in on them and, and we want to have them on a career path. They come into a room and again, there's about 40 uh, or so of these folks that come in and I give like a little state of the union every single week. I get up in front of everybody and I say, hey, here's where we're at. I like That's where I announced we're going to do NASCAR before we started doing NASCAR. That's where I, I would announce even just this last Monday, we just hired a brand new HR director. She'll be here this upcoming week and it's where everybody hears stuff for the first time and they hear it from the horse's mouth. And uh, I think it just keeps everybody in lock and in step with where I, I want the company to go. It allows me to set the focus and the tone. Um, and even during this, uh, what I call super huddle on Monday, those same directors that I huddle with every day, they uh, also contribute. So when it's time to talk about the technology, the technology guy, uh, Drew, speaks. And when it's time to talk about finance, the finance director, Rochelle, speaks. And, and we go around. And that works really well. Uh, it's been key for our organization. And what's amazing about the huddle is it works. It works when, again, like you're a small company, four or five employees. I was there. I still huddled every day. Come on, guys, bring it in. Here's what we're going to talk about. And uh, and then we break. And a lot of people are, are doing that. A lot of people uh, do it kind of like a little more loosely, but I would really recommend you make the huddle a thing if you're not because it's powerful. How do you keep that huddle to the 5 or 15 minutes? Uh, because imagine if you bring in six people and <laughs> you each talk about yesterday, today, and tomorrow, yeah. and then there's some crosstalk or whatever. Great question. Uh, because you have to have some rules. Um, you have to uh, make crosstalk a minimum. And I find, and I've been doing this for a long time, I still... Uh, even this morning, we got into a, a talk where our coffee cup handles are breaking at a 1% rate. We're like, well, 1% isn't bad, but it's not good either. So they start getting into this conversation where um, my customer service and my production person, and there was another one that was, they started like bantering, oh, what if we use bubble wrap? And then it's like, well, that's not a place for super or for huddle. So I just, hey guys, after huddle, why don't you guys get together? And they're like, yeah, we'll just have a quick little meeting and then decide if we need to go with a bigger box and more bubble wrap. Or it's like, we don't need to decide that collectively. As, as an organization, um, those things I still again. This was just a day I had to uh, kind of, and but they totally get it because I we, we do these little corrective things. But if you're leading the huddle, that is your job, that is your responsibility, not to let your huddle get away from you, or you'll have a 40 minute huddle every day, mm-hmm. and then you'll you'll actually lose the effectiveness, and you won't want huddle, and then everybody will dread the huddle. So keep the huddle on point. It's yesterday, it's today, it's tomorrow. It's a one way statement, really. And there really shouldn't be crosstalk. If you get into a crosstalk, that's a, hey, just stay after. What I really find cool about a huddle is when I'm done with my huddle, a lot of times somebody will say, hey, Josh, can I just have a minute of your time for this? And I will spend that minute. But when I look over my shoulder, somebody else is having a minute of somebody else's time. So it keeps your core team talking and it keeps them, keeps them fluid. So, um, again, I, I can't stress how, <laughs> how important this huddle is. Uh, it's, it's super important for, I think, businesses at all sizes. Um, so you do the daily huddle, the weekly super huddle, and then how about with the rest of your work? Uh, so with the rest of the workforce, um, what we do is so again, I'm I'm huddling at, at a senior level. They're huddling with their with their teams at their level, and um, then we're doing the super huddle on Mondays. And then uh, I try to once a month. It's, it probably averages more like every other month. We do a, just a huge get together. Um, and if uh, if you look online, um, YouTube, uh, Sunfrog, you'll see sometimes like I'll just wrap the troops. I think that's important from time to time. Um, 
just to, to create the focus. Um, and usually those are like uh, big lunchroom type events where we're celebrating some holiday, you know, those made-up holidays uh, like National Fast Food Day, things that we're not <laughs> sure if those are real holidays or not, but we celebrate them. <laughs> and we make them fun. And usually I'll get mic'd up and I'll just like, uh, I'll commemorate the team, you know, like, hey, for production goals or, or things that are hit uh, for quality, you can always find the positive. And I never use the, the big moment to shun or shame. It's always to build and to grow. Uh, you can shun and shame in private, one-on-one discipline, but, but the, the, the group setting is really to, to build unity and to just keep, keep us focused um, in the right direction. And I, I, I try to do that. I could definitely do more of that because I think it's really effective. So, Josh, you've gotten to the place where a lot of entrepreneurs dream of getting. It's a mul- you've built a multi-million dollar business. What is what does life look like for you for the next next five years? Oh well, um, like a lot of entrepreneurs, I've got a plan, um, and uh, I, I typically don't plan much farther than five years. That's about where I where I take it. Um, and I've always, as far as I can remember, have had a five-year plan. Um, and when I say plan, I say a vision because I think, uh, like, when you plan, I, I think planning is just like calculated guessing. You really can't. <laughs> you can't plan. Uh, you can make some really good guesses, but when I have a vision for how my life looks and where where it shapes, and um, you know, for me as an entrepreneur, it's in my it's in my blood. I think it's like it's the spirit of who I am. Like I I always am looking for opportunity. One of the things I feel like I, I've I've done well over this last few years with Sunfrog is I've really focused. And when you talk to a lot of a lot of guys who 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 like start to really get that traction. That seems to be a common denominator in our answer is it's like focus. I was the guy who you would have talked to 10 years ago. It's like, how many businesses do you own, Josh? I would have said seven, eight, nine, who knows? And you'd ask me, how many are making money? I've got one that shows a lot of hope. You know, it's like the, 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 the over, like, and I talk to these guys who are starting a business. They don't have any employees and they don't have any money yet, but they've got four entities and they got subsidiaries. And it's like, whoa, you're way overthinking this. Like, but that's the entrepreneur spirit, right? Like we can make something out of nothing and there's so much opportunity and we see it. The ability to see it is your blessing. It's also your curse. You need to stay focused. And I can't stress that enough. So when I found my focus, that's when I found um, I was able to move the needle the farthest and the fastest. And um, But it doesn't mean I'm so focused that I don't see opportunity. I've just, uh, I'm learning what opportunities I don't take. And uh, right now I do have another side hustle. Um, it's, uh, and you know, the, the funny thing is like Sunfrog, if you think about it, was a side hustle to my company Alpine Web. We built websites, and on the side, we dabbled in T-shirts, and uh, lo and behold, Sunfrog emerges from it. But even Alpine Web was a side hustle to a computer store I own called Alpine Computers. Like, so at any given time, I've got a primary focus, but I've always got this thing on the side that I'm excited about <laughs> that allows my creative juices to really flow, and it has that creation element to it. So my side hustle right now is a website called showyourlove.com. And that is a charitable giving site. It's a crowdfunding site. It's very similar to a GoFundMe or a YouCaring site. Our value proposition is unique. Um, and uh, there's going to be a lot of influencer-based um, charity giving on the site. 
and I'm committed to the first $2 million on that site I'm going to do at zero cost. So people that want to try showyourlove.com over some of the others, they can raise money and they can do it for no processing fee, not even the credit card fees. I'm going to cover 100% of it. And um, really my heart for showyourlove.com is to work with 501c3s, like true nonprofits. Nonprofits struggle to get money, and in this day and age, they shouldn't struggle as much as they do. But they're a little bit behind on the technological movement. My hope, my my dream with, with Show Your Love is to work with the ones that are near and dear to my heart so that they can get the money um, that they need and desire and that they can do it with no fees and no strings attached. And then my hope is that with the showyourlove.com platform that the, the users that are signing up for medical expenses or college tuition or whatever it is they want to raise money for, they would pay the fees. And I'm hoping that the, the ecosystem balances out. A little bit of guesswork here. I mean, I'm not crunching crazy numbers. It's kind of like with Sunfrog. It's like, how'd you determine to pay a seller, you know, 45% and an artist five? Well, it's a little bit of guesswork. I mean, I didn't like crunch that down, but you know, uh, it worked. And I'm hoping the same thing. My gut says this will work and this is where I'm at. And again, it's my side hustle. You might talk to me for a year from now. I'm like, yeah, that one's just been shelved. That can happen. And there's no shame in that. But, um, right now I just, I, I'm super excited about this project um, as excited as I, I was and still am about Sunfrog and I feel like showyourlove.com is extremely vertical um, it doesn't have the product limitations that come with a, a sunfrog.com there's production limits and lids that you have to face and remove um, where with show your love I anticipate a different style of growth because there won't be the barrier of a physical product it's just you're, you're moving money back and forth for people so I'm super excited about that and uh, that's, that's a big part of uh, the next the next chapter, the next phase of, of where I'm going. I'm starting to really focus in on it and give it some more attention um, so that we can see that. So anybody's listening, and if they're, uh, if they're looking to raise money for anything, you know, definitely keep me in mind, showyourlove.com. Very cool. And what's, uh, what's going on with joshkent.com? Okay, uh, yeah, joshkent.com is... Uh, well, I, I was telling you earlier, like I had to buy that off a kid who was squatting on it. So if somebody's squatting on your name, I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> hopefully you don't have to go through what I went through. But moral of the story is I, I got this domain name that I think super cool, joshkent.com. It's kind of nice to have my own domain name. Um, and, you know, I had joshkent.me, .net. It just doesn't cut it um, because people will go look you up and they just assume you've got .com. That didn't work for me. Um, but what I'm hoping to do with joshkent.com, and with my social media, is really to grow in the give back uh, side. Um, I see uh, guys like Gary Vaynerchuk and Tony Robbins, and there's a ton of guys like that out there that are that are giving knowledge and giving advice and helping people. And um, some of them are out there. Um, the names I just mentioned are, are really legit, but there are a lot of them that are they're faking it, they're positioning, and they're trying to act like authorities, and they're not. They haven't never done anything before, and I'm not even sure where they're where they're trying to go with it and what they're trying to monetize because I know they're not selling T-shirts, right? <laughs> so um, I'm not sure how where, where what their plan is. But what I would like to do is just genuinely, I'd like to help people out. Um, I I've joined a few private Facebook groups and I, I sometimes will spend three, four hours uh, a week just answering questions because I can remember where they're at. I've been in retail. I've, uh, I've been in the service business. I've been in uh, manufacturing business. I've been in so many different businesses over the last 15 years. I've had good times and I've had bad times, um, in all areas. And I, I just feel like, uh, I'm at a place now where I really want to spend more time doing that, giving back, helping people out. So 
Um, what that means for me is that means uh, YouTube videos being more active socially um, to, to provide value and to provide content that I think really will help people. I mean, we live in an amazing day and an amazing time where the digital and social media movement really allows for people to learn from each other like never before. Um, you used to just have to be disciplined, right? Get the book, read the book, and there's no engagement. There's no asking questions. Where now um, you can learn from who you choose to learn from. And uh, I think nowadays people really do need to be careful. Like there's so many people like posing and trying to play this role of entrepreneur success and just like follow them to follow them. But uh, and I would encourage anybody listening, like, you know, uh, inspect what you expect from somebody that you're going to allow to speak into your life like that. And uh, hopefully some of your listeners uh, allow me that privilege and uh, find me on Facebook or, or YouTube or wherever and, and uh, start following me. I would love to start helping, um, helping out and serving in that way. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing that more and more this year than ever before. So in addition to finding you at joshkent.com, uh, what, are, what are your favorite Twitter, I mean, your favorite social media handles that you have? Um, not on? Twitter. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a Twitter plug? Um, no, uh, all of them, really. Um, I'm I'm probably um, the most active. Um, like Snapchat right now is really active. And then uh, Facebook came out with a Facebook Direct. Um, and, you know, it's really like I'm amazed out of the, let's say, the thousands of friends I have, how few people are using it. And like I've used it just a couple times this last week, and it's amazing how many people are watching it. So it's, there, it's a very captive audience. Um, and then with Instagram, uh, the storyline stuff, um, I plan on here this week like really um, getting more intentional with those three platforms um, because basically streaming time-sensitive uh, media that, that uh, basically expires seems to really be where it's at. So I'm going to focus there as well as, you know, I'll do the typical Facebook, um, YouTube, Twitter. I'm going to do all of it, really, um, and try to keep the content relevant to the platform that it's on and the delivery method that's there. Um, but try to be motivational to people. And I think something I want to try to do a little different is is try to be more uh, on the tactics. You know, it's really easy to talk strategy, but I want, I want to get into the tactical stuff. You know, and even some of the stuff we talked about today, like affiliation and who you can use for that to get more sales on your website or uh, the tactics of how to, how to manage your day, things like that, like I, things that really help people where they're at and when they need it. So I'm going to try to try to offer at that level. And uh, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Josh Kent, CEO and founder of Sunfrog, thanks for joining us at Engaging Leader. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right, Engagers, I'm sure you'd love that interview. So much good information from Josh Kent there. And as I mentioned at the top, um, he shared a lot of different websites, and we put the, all that information and links in the show notes. And you can find those at engagingleader.com. For example, shareasale.com for affiliate marketing. Uh, and then the three different task management systems that we discussed briefly, uh, gqs.com, asana.com, and basecamp.com. So go check all that out on our on our website at engagingleader.com. This is a production of Ashmondale Communications, a consulting firm that specializes in workforce communications. My colleagues and I partner with mid-size and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results in several areas, including talent management, workforce health engagement, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at AspendaleCommunications.com. 
Our thanks to Monica Harrison, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cecily Leahy, our web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers. <laughs>